Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. This is episode 72, wherein Graham McMillan and I have a few words to say about flooding and many, many words to say about comics. More specifically, we swap lists of comic topics like the top five Avengers villains or top five JLA villains, along with some much, much odder list topics. We also cover some general comics discussion like Avengers HR, The Problem with the Human Torch, the second part of the Spider-Man Daredevil crossover, Chris Claremont, Frank Thierry, The Pleasures of Zombo, Prophet 21, Memorial Number 2, and much more. As always, we hope you enjoy, and as always, thank you for listening. Jeff Lester, welcome to Rain Tone. <laughs> Population U. Population Portland today. <laughs> really? Yeah, we, so we had snow. Um, it, the weather forecast since like maybe Friday last week was like, mm-hmm. it's snow! Snow, everyone, snow! And it would snow for like maybe five minutes and then be gone. <laughs> and then on, I guess it was Monday night or maybe Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, overnight it snowed. Like at like 10 o'clock, all of a sudden it was just white and it kept snowing, and then it, I guess it, it must have been Tuesday night because then yesterday, maybe within like two hours of people getting up, the snow was gone. Like stunningly, you woke up and you're like, "Everything's covered in snow. This is beautiful." And then it was just gone, uh, and that turned into just torrential end of the world rain. <laughs> we were supposed to be getting that torrential end of the world rain here, like yesterday. There was this huge storm that everybody was talking about, and only today is it finally sort of started to rain a little bit like just the most minor of stuff so we're kind of like yeah come on come on so apparently ended up in portland um yeah it really has it's crazy it's actually stopped raining like stopped raining like half an hour ago but um so we have a flooded basement which is why you and i are talking late um it was really 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 bad <laughs> i mean it was flooding in all new places all, like places that have never flooded before. It's bad, so bad that our basement is covered in concrete. It's, it's concrete right. floor. Yeah. The concrete is cracking so the water can come up through the ground. Oh my god. Are you, that's, uh, <laughs> man, that's. That's what I mean. Like, it's crazy end of the world shit down there right now. Um, so we now have our, our third sump pump. <laughs> we have three of them now. You know, that was what Edie was asking. I was like, yeah, he's got to get a pump. She's like, don't they already have We, we one? had like, two. Oh, maybe. <laughs> and we had to get a third because a whole new area started flooding. Oh, my God. That's truly terrifying. Truly, truly terrifying. I, um, hmm, well, uh, I bet you can't wait to talk about comics. <laughs> Honestly, that's part is so earlier on, as you know, you and I were emailing about how we hadn't made our top five lists. Yes. <laughs> and honestly, pretty much since then, I've been dealing with the flood until now. <laughs> you know, I had that moment where I'm like, oh, shoot, we're going to have, because we're, we're a little lopsided. Whereas for me, I was kind of like, yeah, I got nothing to do. I can just sort of hang out here. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, so, I, I, I have five top fives. Don't worry. I got fantastic. it. Fantastic. Oh, my God. See, you're you're the best, Graham. Good but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy day, though. Good <laughs> so, God. Yeah, so don't be surprised if, like, you know, three of my top fives are superheroes who could stop my basement flooding. <laughs> A perfectly acceptable list. Top yeah, five. Because yeah, yeah. you, could, you, could you could have Aquaman. Uh, mm-hmm. There's Nyad, the right. uh, DC Comics elemental who controls water. 
Um, there's Hydroman. Hydroman could probably do it because doesn't he Hydro control Man, water yeah. as well? Mm-hmm, I think. Uh, Sandman could do it by just forming sandbags. Mm, mm, right. Uh, I was thinking Human Torch maybe, but that maybe that's just. A there's there's far too much water. The the water in the basement right now is like the the jet of water that would like hit the Human Torch, and he'd go no. It's my fans. He'd be like, I'm too wet to flame on reeds. I tell you, the Human Torch always got himself some badass rap. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, he's kind of, to me... a shitty superhero. That should have been our top five lists. Shittiest superheroes that people think are actually cool. Well, there and we go. Number one could be Aquaman, and then we could just put in brackets, are you listening, Jeff Jones? <laughs> I was just about to say, no, does anyone think that Aquaman's cool apart from Jeff Jones? I mean, I thought well, part of... He really his... wants Aquaman. That's not true. My wife thinks that Aquaman's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is true. That's right. Kate does like Aquaman. And I didn't. I thought maybe she didn't like him because he was cool. She liked him because he wasn't cool. You know what I mean? I, do you know what I think it is? I think she likes him because he's not Green Arrow. Because I don't know if you know this, but Kate really has something against Green Arrow. I've never noticed that. That's amazing. Really? Is it? Yeah, was this before that Smallville thing? Or no, it's what? pretty much Smallville. Smallville pretty much turned Kate against Green Arrow. I think before that, she always thought he was just pointless. Right. Uh, but now he's officially just shit. Right. He's officially the ruiner. <laughs> yes. And, and ever since the, the relaunch, like, Green Arrow in the comics has become uh, Smallville Green Arrow. Oh, yeah. Right. Right, right, right. So, yeah, Green Arrow is just, just ruined. And now he's getting a new TV show. Yeah, I was amazed. I was amazed to see that in some of the photos. I was like, Really? Green, green Arrow, you know what I mean? Like, you're just like, are you sure you guys are paying attention? But I think it's that weird, like, they're probably able to sell it on, like, oh, yeah, believe me, this is going to be perfect because by the time the Avengers comes out with that Hawkeye character, we're going to have an Arrow character in case anyone cares about a character with arrows. I do kind of love the idea that they're like, did you like Hawkeye in Avengers? What if he was younger and more green? And more green, exactly. We've got him on the CW every week. <laughs> He's not just a Muppet. Okay, so um, Human Torch. Uh, you know, I would have said The Flash for such a long time. See, to me, my list is like oh, oh. superheroes, not, oh, superheroes, superheroes that are overpowered so much they have to be underpowered for the comics and are there oh, for God, shit. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, if you actually did like this mm-hmm. much seriously, it would be every adventure would be Luke Barry, a robbery. Next final. Oh, they're all in jail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The end. And then you cut back to something like the Human Torch, and basically he bursts into flames. People like flee in terror. Yeah, you that's, know. that's the comic I really wanted to see for the Human Torch. Mm-hmm. One where like he's like flame on, and everyone around him is like, Jesus Christ, that man's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit! Put him out! Put exactly. him out! Of like the the fire extinguishers, and that's how he can never win. Do you know what I mean? Because right. every single time he's like, is that Galactus? Everyone around him is like, shit, someone's on fire, quick. <laughs> put, put this man out. Yeah. I also love the idea that in New York, like if you ever if you ever do catch on fire, you're just fucked because no one's going to put you out. They're like, I don't know why the human torch is running down the sidewalk screaming at me. <laughs> he seems oh. to be saying something like, put me out, put me out. I don't, I don't know what. Is control? It is, must be. Is Magneto involved? I don't know why Magneto becomes like the generic supervillain for my fantasy shitty Marvel Universe New Yorkers, but he is. 
Yeah, well, like you blame I... everything. Can you imagine mm-hmm. if you lived in New York? It'd be great because you'd be like, "Why are you late for work? Oh, my clock didn't work. Magneto had an electromagnetic pulse, and it totally." I mean, yeah, there's got to be like the New York employment system is just got to be like, okay, I got to tell you, I know it's going to be a higher number than this, but you only have six superhero-related excuses a year. Six. Six. Exactly. Unless I see it on the news. Unless I see your face. <laughs> That's right. I've got to see footage. Yeah. Otherwise, it yeah, does not count. You. Yeah, that, that yeah. camera phone photo you've got of Spider-Man's ass is not cutting it, my friend. <laughs> Seen that three times already. I don't don't believe it. So yeah, exactly. I honestly feel like we've come up with a great new series that we should pitch to Marvel right now. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Avengers <laughs> HR. <laughs> It'd be great. Avengers HR would be great. I actually love the idea of sort of the meta subtext of, of doing a Marvel comic about people with uh, crappy jobs, you know, for Marvel comics, you know, <laughs> it would be awesome. For like, very, for it's a very soon everyone would be like, yeah, sorry, my work's really bad. I'm getting paid terribly and asked to come up with more material. I mean, uh, sure, uh, Titanium Man. <laughs> exactly. Hydro Man. Hydro Man again. That's why we only have one bathroom. Hydro Man. Yeah, exactly. No, but again, so, okay, so you've got Avengers HR, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's everyone complaining that they can't get to work or whatever because right. of the thing. And then your final issue, when Marvel, like, seriously, stop fucking around, you've got to actually put some, some real super villains in this. You have mm-hmm. Hydro Man appearing through the toilet. Right. And it's just like, thank God, I finally escaped. And then, like, Iron Man can crash through the wall or something. And then the company has to go out of business. There you go. Right. Exactly. See, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see that, like, in the, I don't know, maybe the second issue or, like, the first issue of the second arc. And then the rest of it is just people sitting around at home, like, trying trying to get their unemployment because they were laid off because, you know, their office was, like, crushed between the Iron Man, Hydro Man fight, you know, and they're having trouble, like, actually getting the claims filled and... Dude, it would just be the best. I mean, come on, let's face it. That would be the best. And you could have, like, all sorts of, you know, Marvel Universe-related jobs. Like, I always wanted to see, like, a job by, like, the guy who, like, mans the hot dog cart outside the Baxter building. That would be, like, the best done-in-one. No, exactly. It would be really good because you could have, like, Willie Lumpkin can walk by and he can talk to Willie. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the thing would obviously buy something. And Frank, thing would Frank, buy everything. And it's Fran- just, yeah. Franklin would be with them. No, because he'd have to have like an extra chest of things for the thing. Well, exactly, exactly. He would have to plan that out, or else he would be screwed. Like his entire lunchtime crush would be destroyed just by. And of course, then you know, Doctor Doom shows up like in disguise, and you know, is trying to hit him up for information or something like that, and he catches on. And this. He helps- Totally reminds me of Marvel 2 and 1. Remember I told you I got the essential Marvel 2 and 1? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. This, this is the sort of thing that I like about Marvel 2 and 1. Like, there's an entire story where they have an annual where, like, the thing has to fight all the Marvel's greatest fighters because the champion of the universe comes down and he's like, You must all fight! And of course, they all like, Fine, we'll fight! But the thing gets the shit kicked out of him. Mm. Like, he wins, but he gets the shit kicked out of him. And the next issue of Marvel 2 and 1 is the thing is in hospital because he's had the shit kicked out of him. 
Mm-hmm. And it's everyone visiting the thing in hospital. Yeah, see, those and, are, those and are the a, best issues. Yeah, it's a great story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the the Marvel two in one issues where they that and of course the infamous poker game episode. You know, issue. yeah, yeah. There, there's really really good stuff, and I wish you got more of that now. Oh yeah. On Marvel, do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you don't. The closest you get is maybe an aside in the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, that or I, I don't know. I mean, I sort of feel like Hickman kind of wants to do that sort of stuff and update it, but it's kind of not the same for me. I, yeah, Hickman just can't do that for me. Like, yeah. Hickman, for want of a better way of putting it, is too clinical. Like, he's too calculated in terms of like, and this will be my done in one issue where I catch up with everyone's real life. Yeah, and you exactly. can imagine him planning it with like a gigantic graph. Oh, totally. And it's like, totally. you know, so I need two pages of Sue Storm and then yeah. that time with, and it just won't work. It won't be organic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they should really should release every issue of Hickman's FF with like a digital download code that allows you to download his PowerPoint presentation for that issue. Because, you know, he's got them for each one. It's like, okay. And then on this page, bullet point, bullet point bullet point page turn you know star wipe yeah it's uh it's it's not it's it is a little calculated but at least i sort of feel like again i feel like he's trying sort of i just and that's my one of my big problems is i'm always like ah he's sort of there in a way that so strikes me so far off the mark that that you know i would be happier if people were like hey we appreciate you trying and missing rather than people going, oh my god, this is perfect, this is awesome, and it's like, no, it's it's not. Don't say that. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't want this to be the standard for you know. So is getting together with Dragon Man for pub trivia night? Actually, I don't think they did pub trivia night again. That would be brilliant. <laughs> oh, see, we should we should totally pitch this shit. We totally should. We were like, we totally want to do Marvel comics, but like from the perspective of people who've like, I don't know, been paying attention for the last twelve years to reality. <laughs> yeah. Maybe can, can can we do Marvel's the ongoing series, but instead of a photographer, it's just like a schlub, and <laughs> you know, we know we're going to get cancelled in six issues, so we'll just right. go for broke with stuff that no one will yeah. buy. It, but like, I mean, that'd be hilarious. Issue. If yeah, if you did a if you did a comic like that, you mm-hmm. know, you'd get cancelled. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So you'd be like, I'm just going for broke first issue. I'm going to broke for the entire thing because I know I'm going to get killed by issue six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Unfortunately. Like, like, can you imagine why I hate Saturn, the Kyle Baker book in the Marvel Universe? Yeah, that would be fantastic. It would be amazing. It would be great. You know, and and honestly, I do feel that, like, uh, you know, Dan Slott's first go-round on She-Hulk was about as close to that as I saw anyone getting, really. And it, it almost it almost, it almost got there. Dan Slott has the... It's funny, I was actually reading... Uh, you know how he's got a farm spring thing? Yes. Someone was... He's, he made a comment somewhere that he wasn't a big uh, X-Men fan because he dropped off. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, what do you mean? You know everything, Marvel. And he's like, here is where I dropped off of X-Men. And I swear to God, it's exactly when I dropped off. And I was kind of like, now I understand why me and Dan Slott have such similar sensibilities. Like, I'm not uh-huh. the biggest fan of his writing, but I, mm-hmm. I really get where he's coming from more often than not. And it's because right. pretty much we read the same comics. <laughs> Like his thing series was mm-hmm. was fun enough, but like in, when he knew it was getting cancelled, like in the last couple of issues, right. it really does become Marvel Two and One, and it's mm. fucking great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you saying, I think it was you saying really good things about it before it went out. So, 
Uh, that's a shame. Uh, yeah, no, is, speaking of which, did you read his Amazing Spider-Man from this week? Uh, I read Mark Wade's Amazing Spider-Man from this week. Wasn't that from last week? No, the, oh no, you're right, sorry, I read the, uh, the Daredevil this week. I, did, yes. I didn't read his Amazing Spider-Man this week. Uh, okay, I'm just well, I, what, I, I No, I, I didn't either, it was just there was something like, I went to the store and they had some, some cover, you know, like New York Destroyed and blah blah blah, and it looks sort of vaguely like a Spider Island follow-up that I think, suspect it was not, but no, I just, it, it was just, I thought it would be a final segue. What did you think of the uh, the conclusion of the uh, the two-parter? I didn't read, the, of which I did not read the first part. I really liked it. Yeah. And I, was... and I just, I, I like what Wade does in general with Daredevil these days, but for some reason I really like his approach to Black Cat, as, as in Daredevil's approach to Black Cat in this issue. Yes. Um, and I think it, I don't know, I just, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good little two-parter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I missed part one, but part two, I sort of enjoyed the characterization of things. And it was, again, just a fun issue. I, I'm a little worried, though, because, of course, I didn't pick up the first part of the Spider-Man one. And I think you and I, I talked about how I sort of felt like this was a uh, an attempt to get more Spider-Man people reading Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Now that they've announced, you know, sort of a... a a Whackerverse mini event of Daredevil, Punisher, and Spider-Man. I'm like, uh, really? Yeah, I know. It's, it's funny because, like, I like Rocka, I like Wade, and the fact that the two of them are writing all three issues. Mm. I feel like I should want to read this more, but honestly, mm. I'm just like, really? Like, the, you're resolving this plot in a crossover? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why it, it fills me with not even dread, just like, oh, uh, really? Right, but but it does. I just I feel tired by it. I guess. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just a. I don't know. It's a. It's usually it's a big old warning flag, you know. Generally, and it's also just I'm like, let me have my book. I know that he's doing what seems like an eminently sensible strategy, to you know, siphon again, you know, people from Spider-Man to Daredevil to Punisher, you know. But I just. You know, for me, it's just much more likely that I'll just end up dropping Daredevil, you know, which mm. which I'm not going to do, I think. But is, is you know, is the temptation of like, oh, well, if I can't follow this story. And, you know, it, it's funny. I just, I think this is, this year, especially when, because I went in and uh, sort of asked about the, the Amazing Spider-Man issue, the part one of this, and Hibs was sold out. And he's like, hey, do you want me, do you want me to order, you know, order it for you and I'm like nah that's okay like maybe I should get in touch with like when you're a kid you don't always read all the issues you know what I mean of yeah, Mark yeah and, and, and you're that, okay with that when you're yeah exactly exactly you're just like it is what it is you don't care and I'm kind of like you know maybe I should try that maybe I should try loosening the reins on my own you know control freakiness in that regard so it's like yeah maybe there'll be a three-parter from spider-man and punisher and daredevil and i'll just read the daredevil part and i don't know it'll i'll have some like ooh, someday i'll go back and get those you know and uh and you know that kind of feeling you had when you're a kid reading comics you know of, of like oh yeah it's this whole you know the sense of it being an exciting tapestry that you can't see all of as opposed to you know i don't know an obsessive compulsive attempt to pick up all the beans that keep spilling out of the well, can. No, exactly, you... and you're and you're like, 
I really like this story, but I didn't read all the parts of it, so maybe I don't like it. And you almost talk yourself out of liking things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. The, the default is just like, okay, I didn't get all of this, therefore I have lost, and it sucks. Yeah. It's, it's a problem. I, I've discovered also the ability to not read things because I haven't got all the issues. Mm-hmm. Do you have that as well? That like you, you have like you buy issue one, you're like issue one's great, and then somehow you miss you, miss issue two, but you pick up three and four, and you're oh, like, yeah. well, I won't read three and four until I get issue two. Right, right. No, and, and this the, surreal thing where you're yeah. like, I've paid money for these things. I should just read them. I don't know when I'm going to get issue two. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have so many books because because with comics experience, you know, it's like you put yourself on a sub list, you keep getting the book until you tell them no. And in my case, I dug myself holes so deep, you know, because also it's a little it's like three months in advance. Although I think for the most part, if I told Hibbs, he would you know cut it off more closely from when I you know if I told him I wanted to quit, I wouldn't have to get another two or three months worth of books. I hope. Um, but so I always find myself in this situation where it's like I've kind of stopped reading the book, but I've got like this perfect run, you know, of it. And it's like ugh. it's like Hickman's Fantastic Four. Like I really I think my last issue was like 600, but I jumped on at his first issue. I've got all those issues in between. And I'm like, I don't think I'll ever read these, but they're sitting but, there. But you've because... read them, right? No, I no, I picked them up and they were in a pile of comics and I didn't read it that week because I'm like, ah, I'm three issues behind. I'll, you know, it's like I'll set aside all six issues and then read them all in a go and then I don't do that and then it's like, ugh, and then they pile up some more and eventually I quit. That I hate to admit it, but that's totally happened to me it's on, on a couple of books, you know. See, that's kind of crazy for me because what happens with me is I won't read them and then I'll get to a point where I'll just like, I'm just gonna read them. Uh, and it happens on books I really love. For example, Dungeons and Dragons is a book that I just let Lee follow for a long time, and then mm-hmm. read like six issues at once. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you read the six issues, I think that's great. But there's just times where I'm like, I nah, uh, guess I should have been a little faster on the draw there. <laughs> More of Jeff's throwing money into the street. <laughs> well, as long as you're okay with just throwing money away, Jeff, that's. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. That sounded supportive, but really, I don't think it was in any way. I think at all. the phrase you're looking for is supportive but dismissive. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, so, um, should we talk about the rest of our rest of the books that we picked up and move on to lists? Did you want to have some exciting list interjections? I, I want your lists. Uh, I okay. told you. I think I told you my top five Avengers villains last week, didn't I? No, 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 no. Because you started uh, turning into you know. Oh, I turned. Yeah, I turned flies. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so my top five are, and it's yes. the way the Newsram thing and everything else I've done is the top one is number one and down from there so right now are you giving me a top five or you had to make a list of ten yes but I'm only giving the top five because I only copied the list of five. Oh, okay all right because sadly I made lists of ten you did? well I only so made a list of five because I was too busy taking care of flooding stuff <laughs> perfect uh, okay my top five Avengers villains yes uh, my favorite is Kang he's number one nice Ultron is number two yep the, I've reversed those but yep the masters of evil is number three Nice. I thought about putting them on the list. Uh, number four is the Grim Reaper. Ooh. Who I really love. And number mm-hmm. five, government bureaucracy. And this is my note when I sent his newsarama. No, seriously, 
that's a recurring villain for the Avengers. Absolutely. In fact, that made number four on my list. The oh! Slash Henry Peter Guyrich. Yeah, absolutely. You're of a similar mind, sir. That's what your list. <laughs> okay, so the list, the top five uh, Avenger villains, I put Ultron at number one, Kang at number two, uh, a tie of Count Nefaria and Korvac at, like, number three. Oh. Um... Yeah, and the government slash Henry Peter Gyrick at number four, and then number five, he's not really their their top villain, but I love the Grandmaster as a character in the Marvel Universe, and his first appearance was in the Avengers, so I always got to give it up to him. He would There's... totally fit in with another of my lists. Oh, really? Oh, excellent. I look forward I look forward to it. Then, my bonus five, let's see if you can figure out, and it's funny, because this is more inspired by Bendis' uh, Avengers Annual than I would have thought. Let's see if you can figure out what the through line is on my bonus five top, you know, the next five. Wonder Man! <laughs> the Vision, Tony Stark, The Hulk, <laughs> Wonder Man, and in a tie for fifth place, in, in ascending order... Don Heck, Jim Shooter, Brian Bendis. <laughs> your your final list of villains is spectacular. Um, what ties them all together? Yeah, I mean you can cut you can actually cut out Heck, Shooter, and Bendis, which are you, you know the Avengers' greatest villains are their creators. I was going to say yeah, your last one was an outlier. So they're all good guys who have gone bad. They're all good guys who have gone bad, or vice versa. Um, and also people who've been on the team who have also been enemies. Wait, 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 wait. So it's the Vision, Tony Stark, mm-hmm. Wonder Man, and who? The Hulk. Okay, I guess the Hulk's the only one who didn't, who wasn't an outright villain at any point, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. But he was sort of an enemy of enemy of the team. Because the, vi- the Vision took over America. Yeah, I guess that's right. I guess he did do something kind of re- relatively dickish later, much later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but of course, the, he started was, as an enemy of the team and then say, joined it. I always forget that the Vision started off as a bad guy. Always. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, because he was always the man. The Vision, such an awesome character in, in the day. You know what I mean? Just yeah, kind of that. He really was, and you really missed him. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Like I, mm-hmm. I always felt bad that he wasn't around, especially because he was a robot, and so it seemed so easy to bring him back, and didn't seem like a cheat. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, it and it was, you know, but it's also kind of, it's tough because I definitely see how Steve Englehart in his own blessed, sweet, crazy way, like took the character and more or less, you know, arguably destroyed the character. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just, but the original context of having, you know, essentially Mr. Spock as a superhero just is such a perfect high concept for that time and place and oh, everything. I, but you've also got like you know even an android can cry right like, exactly the, the mm-hmm. has such great moments which are also just terrible moments yeah. do you know what I mean like the vision really became especially with Roy Thomas you know mm-hmm. uh, I'm trying to say something deep who can I use the vision do you know what I mean like every now and again it'd be like and the Black Panther says that racism is bad. But mostly it'd be like Division being like, why must children starve? <laughs> the Vision really was like the Sally Struthers of like the Marvel Super Universe for such a long time. So do you want to know something else that is wonderful in terms of our brain crossover? Yes. Another of my top five lists was the top five Avengers writers. Oh, nice. After you had your creators or the enemy at the end. Yes. And also, yes, my, my fifth is hilarious. Um, so number one was Steve Englehart. Yes. Number two, Roger Stern. 
Oh, good. Number three, Roy Thomas. The first time <laughs> around, I said, because he came back in the 90s. I don't, did you remember that? No. He came back in the 90s for, I think, Avengers West Coast. And um, and he was terrible. <laughs> mm. It was really not good. Number four, Walt Simonson, who only did like five issues, but they were spectacular. Wow. I love oh, Walt Simonson's run in the Avengers. Um, and number five, I really struggled with. I couldn't think of another f- a fifth great Avengers run. Uh, and I'm thinking about it now, I should have put Kurt Busiek, who I didn't remember. Oh, interesting. Who, I was who, expecting you to put Kurt Busiek Kurt Busiek in there. You know, I list him as an enemy because I do think that Shooter... I was going to say, I actually put in Shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Shooter actually was my, my fifth before I, before I remembered Busiek. Uh, um, but I wrote, Jim Shooter, no really God, what a horrifying thought. <laughs> I wrote to myself. <laughs> but, no, but he I had mean, some great stuff. He did. He did. One of the things that I really have to give Shooter credit for, I mean, it helps that, you know, so much of the run was done by George Perez, just like kind of at one of his high points of his career, um, is that Shooter managed to take a team that was loaded with like all the heavy hitters and you still managed to feel like they were outgunned and barely squeaking by. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's kind of amazing. Like that whole, that whole sequence where like Count Nefaria like just beats their ass. Like you're like, this really shouldn't even work. And yet it does. Like there's something about it that every level of it just really kind of, you know, I, I, and again, I think a lot of it has something to do with the way that George Perez's sort of high wire, you know, melodrama uh, really, really worked up well while shackled with with shooter stuff. So, um, but then he could then he then really does go on to screw the pooch in so many well, ways. Yeah, I mean, shooter and Perez as well are, are part are behind the whole mm-hmm. this Marvel Marcus thing. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah, which yeah. remains like possibly the low points of Avengers history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, see, it's that or it's Hank Pym because I feel like yeah, it's true. Hank Pym Hank has Pym just been caught terrible. in yeah. like this horrible Avengers, like Avengers plus Hank Pym equals continuity hole, you know, and you're just stuck falling down it forever and ever and ever. So getting back to Dunslot, did you ever read Dunslot's Mighty Avengers? No, it's it's an incredibly uneven run. Um, yeah. In part because also his artists are really uneven, and he just like it's it he gets artists just stolen away from him mid run. Um, mm. But he, I really love his treatment of Hank Pym, which is essentially I did this thing, I was kind of insane at the time. Please, can we move on? Right, 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 right. <laughs> which yeah, I, 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 lo- I love. It. Other mm-hmm. people would. I wish other people would use because it's mm-hmm. the cleanest response to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, agreed, agreed, and I think I think that is the best, and it's really the only way. Just the fact that you take it and then you move it on from there. Although, did Slot then try and? Because I think this was sort of the problem when uh, Englehart handled Pym for West Coast Avengers was kind of like, oh yeah, he's pretty much going to be my go-to hero for the book, kind of. You know what I mean? Like it was too heavy on sort of the redemption end of things a little bit. For for a time, there's he, he, mm. Pim definitely comes and goes in that book. Okay. Um, but again, like I I really liked what Engelhart did in intent, if not in execution, mm-hmm. with Pim. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but you know I'm complete Mark for West Coast Avengers, especially Engelhart's. 
I, I yeah, think almost all of my favorite Avengers stories are from Engelhart's <laughs> Wise Coats of Avengers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the fact that some of them tie back into his original run on Avengers, God love him. Well, his it's whole Lost in Space time arc is... Yeah. Back. It's so good that I'm really tempted to get the hardcover that's coming out soon. Oh, Jesus. Are they doing a hardcover of that? Yeah. Those fuckers. Ugh. Uh, I mean, it's it's that good. I'm like, I, I I love 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 that story, but do I love it enough to pay thirty dollars to read it again? Right, right, exactly. Um, yeah, I guess we will find out. My guess is, Graham, you will once again fall on back on your illicit affair with the Portland Library system. It's, there's nothing illicit about it. I'm completely <laughs> upfront about my love affair with the Portland Library system. I suppose you're right. Illicit's not the right word. Do you want to know what my my lover, the Portland Library System, provided me with this week? Sure. Chris Claremont's run on Excalibur, the revamp. Whoa. New Exiles, the series that spun off of Excalibur. Wow. And do you know what I realized? Wait, wasn't it the other way around, or am I wrong? It's it's Excalibur, and then Excalibur goes into something called X-Men Die by the Sword, which then spins off into... uh, um, New Exiles. Okay, okay. There we go. Uh, Thanks. All collected, huh? Jesus. And this is what I realized. I am, unironically, a fan of late-era Claremont. (laughs) They were just... It sounds like Damning with Fame Praise. They were just such professionally put together. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. in the middle of the Excalibur run, when Claremont got sick, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, remember Claremont sort of disappeared from writing his books for like 18 months or something? I would not have tracked this at all. Um, sure. Yeah, he got sick. I want to say he had a heart transplant or something like that, and he stopped writing books for a while. And so he gets mm. replaced in Excalibur by Frank Thierry. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I just said, like, it's a stunning shift in quality. Oh. I mean, breathtaking. Yeah, I mean, seriously, if there is a way that you want to make someone look good, um, definitely have them either, you know, be followed by or preceded by Frank Thierry. Um, sorry, Frank. Uh, yeah, that guy is not... Not to my taste. Let's put it that way. I can not understand why. What's interesting is I don't think Excalibur was to his taste. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, I, I think you sure. sense him being like, I'm t- taking one for the team. Yes, totally, totally. You can I, – I felt that way about a lot of the stuff that Frank Thierry wrote for me anyway, but – you know, like, oh, okay, I'm doing you guys a favor because, you know, I like drinking with all of you so much. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, what's funny is, so he, he does what should be fairly uh, important character development for the Juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Claremont pretty much just entirely ignores afterwards. <laughs> Claremont comes back and, like, it's never referenced again, and it really should be. Wow. Wow, that's... What's ugh. crazy is Claremont comes back, and Claremont's mm-hmm. first storyline is, out of nowhere, one of the characters has a stroke um, oh. and has to deal with getting better. And it's yeah, like... That sounds familiar. It's like yeah. a three-parter about this character basically being like, my body has betrayed me, and it doesn't matter that I have superpowers. I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I can't write, and I can't think straight, and it's impossible to read it and not think that he's writing about himself. Wow. Right, which is kind of awesome. Well, you know, it's wonderful. If you don't, it's re- yeah. really wonderful. You know, just the idea of like they're, that they're you know in in the best of ways. There's no real distance between the the writer's life and 
their creations. I mean, God, God love them. You know, Claremont did figure out ways to work, you know, to intertwine his personal life and the X-Men, you know, together in so many weird, strange and remarkable ways. But, you know, it always ends up feeling vital as a result. I mean, it's sometimes absolutely batshit, you know? <laughs> well, that's but... just, I mean, by the time you get to Exiles, Exiles mm. is just a crazy fucking book. Because <laughs> the Exiles setup is essentially, it's sliders with the X-Men. Right. And so he has the ability to build the X-Men team he's always wanted, unfettered by continuity. Because <laughs> he yeah, yeah, yeah. feel like, yeah, it's a different Kitty Pride. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a different rogue. Yeah. And it just, it's just, the first storyline is they go to a universe where the Fantastic Four have essentially gone into space, as they did before, but were killed. (laughs) Because it's not just cosmic rays to get bombarded with, it's meteors. And they crashed (laughs) Earth. And everything from that, like, you know, spins off into things have gone wrong. Right. And it's, I don't know, I just, you I'm very surprised that more people didn't pick it up of my age or your age and were like, I could read this book for a long time. Because he gets what made the earlier stuff work, Mm -hmm. but also gets how to fuck with it. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the Fantastic Four, before they all get killed, really genuinely seem like the Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know, it's just, I found it a really interesting book. It's tough because that came on the heels of all the previous issues of Exiles that had come before it, as I recall. Yes. And then again, Um, Gorilla and Shisini Steve's off with Jeff Parker in mm -hmm. the possibly the second cruelest Marvel bait and switch in recent memory. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. So I I think that was. Five issues and then it was killed. Yeah, exactly. And then came back as the Claremont book, isn't it? No, 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 no. The Claremont book was before the, the Parker book. The Parker book was, was the end of the Exiles. Oh, okay. Okay. So it basically goes however many 60, 70 plus issues of the original Exiles, then Claremont's new Exiles, then Jeff Parker's Exiles, Exiles. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I think by that point, I definitely know by the time, as somebody who has an embarrassingly large number of issues of the original Exiles book, I was like, by the time it looked like it was being truncated and Claremont was going in on it, I was like, oh, oh dear. It, it ran for 100 issues. Yeah. And then yeah. was relaunched as New Exiles. Right. And then yeah. relaunched again just as Exiles. Which again, to me, it was like that's it was that was kind of a hard blow to do for a very long running book, and it seemed to me to be done out of this way of like we have to give Chris Claremont his own X Men book, but you know either from things that he said that we're respecting or from uh, you know things that we feel we're not we want to make sure he doesn't overlap with the Marvel universe at all. Exactly. All yeah, all. we're going to minimize Chris Claremont's exposure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We do not want him giving the Marvel Universe continuity herpes all over again. So, yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah, so he, he got he got uh, 18 issues out of the, the New Exiles. And then wow. Jeff Parker took over and just got fucked. Yeah. Got killed in yeah. six issues. It's like like the, when I said that was, that was the second worst bait and switch. Catherine Imminen on Runaways still strikes me as the most appalling treatment Marvel mm. has given any book in recent memory because she got four issues and then was cancelled mid storyline. Yeah. yeah, 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 which they which they have done, um, which they have done before. 
I mean, I, I mean, have done since. I yeah, should, and so, the, yeah. the um the mid storyline thing was hilarious because they're like the end for now, and like the last panel is one of the characters in critical condition in the hospital. <laughs> Man, really? Like, yeah, and you're like, this is in, like you've literally this is this isn't just like you know end of an arc, but mid storyline. This is like mid arc. You're killing this book. Oh yeah. yeah the yeah. last issue is uh, Chase. I think that's his name. The the one mm-hmm. like remaining male exile, uh, right? Uh, runaway rather gets hit by a car because he either hallucinates or sees his ex girlfriend who is dead. The other runaways decide that they are going to join his uncle, who may or may not be evil. Mm-hmm. And then the book gets cancelled. Right. Like, there's nothing resembling closure. Mm-hmm. 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 It's such an old-school cancellation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which would be – at least back in the old days, you would get an old-school cancellation and and then, you know, the story would get picked up six months later in – Defenders. Yeah, exactly. They'd show up in the Fantastic Four and they'd be like, mm-hmm. six months ago, we joined his uncle, but he turned out to be a villain. Come, help us take uh, take him on. You know? Yeah, Whereas exactly. now it's just like he disappears. And then you can tell, you know, when Young Avengers gets its ongoing series post Avengers vs. X Men, like the runaways will show up and they'll be like, that never happened. Right, exactly. Like, what, you know, that was all a dream. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Let's never speak of it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, hmm. So, let's see here. So, more lists? Do you have more lists? How many are we in? We're to two in? We've done yeah. two. Okay, did you do Justice League villains? I did. I did. Yes. Sure. Uh, again, top five with a bonus five. Um, although the bonus five is not as brilliant as the Avengers. Anyway, top five JLA villains. Uh, Despero. Starro, uh, Amazo, uh, the Keo, and Batman O. <laughs> the Keo? The Keo, and Batman O. Because I realize all the good JLA villains have to have an O in the, the, the name. I only have two O villains. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, okay, which must be like Amazo and Starro. Right? No, Amazo and Despero. Oh, really? Starro didn't make the cut for you? Starro huh? didn't make the cut. I kind of cheated with my number one because I said it was Darkseid. But I think Darkseid has faced them enough mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that you can kind of cheat. Prometheus mm-hmm. is my number two, because I think Prometheus is a great character before he gets fucked up by everyone else. Oh, that's hilarious. You'll enjoy my bonus five then. Hooray! Uh, number three, the Crime Syndicate of America. Nice. Number four, Considered, but yeah. Despero, and number five, Amazo. Mm-hmm. And I have, two ex- I have two extras. I've got Mageddon and Starbreaker. Ah, Interesting. Interesting. Is Starbreaker also from Morrison's run? No, Starbreaker's Engelhart, maybe? Starbreaker is, oh. if he's not Engelhart, he's possibly Len Wein or Jerry Conway. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's during the Dick Dillon days. Right. Yeah, maybe he's... Oh, maybe maybe he is Len Wein. Is he the one that... that was that the storyline that follows up Mike Friedrich's one or whatever? No, that can't be right. No, I think... That I guy think... was dull. Oh, God, I can't try to remember. Uh, unfortunately, my showcase is across the room, so... Uh, huh, He's a cosmic vampire. Let's see. No, he is. Oh, my God. He is Mike Friedrich, even. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, my God. Wow. That is great. There you go. That yeah. is great. Uh, Justice League's 96. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, my bonus five, uh, interestingly enough, is uh, top of the bonus five, Harlequin Ellis. Yes. Oh, yes. Had to be there. Good choice. 
Thank you. I thought so true. Uh, the Ultra Humanite. Uh, and then I went on to basically say everyone in Morrison's JLA run except Prometheus. I realize. What have you, what have you gone against Prometheus? You know, Prometheus is, uh, well, for one thing, I think he has, he has actually a, a kind of a terrible design. He's, he is the, um, a really compelling argument for people who do creative work throwing away the favorite thing that they did when they were 16 as opposed to hanging around and finally bringing it you know like the same way that uh, Luke Besson uh, Luke Besson yeah shouldn't have done like the fifth element was just so too heavily derivative of like a million other things of everything Luke Besson is right yeah right yeah, yeah basically <laughs> you know and, and sort of the same way that James Cameron when he finally got around to doing the abyss it kind of just didn't work and was a big old mess I kind of feel like Prometheus is one of those characters that Grant Morrison loved when he created when he was like 15 or 16 and consequently he he just to me smacks of he's he's, he's he doesn't I think his design's not great and is he's just too fanficy you know he's just way too like I am awesome because I have like a you know a Sony disc player in my head you know oh no it's, that's that's why I like him <laughs> really, I, I find him compellingly goofy. Ah, see. And I also love the fact that he's King Mob from The Invisibles. Okay, wait. Is this news to me? This is news to me. Tell me more about this. I, I, maybe I'm totally reading this in. For some reason, there's just something about him that made me think that he was King Mob from The Invisibles. Probably because I read him as Morrison, mm-hmm. and King Mob is also Morrison. Right, right. I don't, I don't know be. why. I, I just, I've always made that connection. I think that would be great if so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think my problem with Prometheus is he is a goofy character, but he's then treated as, like, Morrison sort of paints him as a serious character, but but doesn't necessarily do a convincing job of it. And then, of course, as you point out, I mean, really, I could see throwing him on some sympathy list somewhere because he was handled so badly uh, after Morrison, but oh yeah, he completely, completely just got shot up. Off. Mm, yeah, he really did. But he just—he's not my dude. And then oh, the last two of the bonus uh, five uh, villains for the JLA annual events and uh, whining. I think that's, uh, <laughs> those two like the annual events as much as I love the JLA and as I was sitting here racking my brain and I was like god what what other like those fucking annual events always come to mind like it's always like oh yeah JLA and JSA you know on the freedom fighter earth you know fighting super Nazis and the freedom fighters you know it's just it's always that thing that's what I always loved I always loved that I love it crossover every year yeah but it just it to me, it's like one of those great traditions that, that I don't know, after 10 of them, it breaks the tradition. You know, it just breaks the team because it's kind of this idea of like, oh, they've been around for like 10 years. They've been around for 15 years. And everyone wants their chance to do one of those. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of – and I feel like as – it's just one of those great ideas that everyone wants to pile on and in doing so somehow like breaks it because all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, all these guys have got to be 10 years older now because they're all on their 10th annual event, you know, and yet everyone's all the same age. And and I'm not even saying this is just like a heavy duty continuity nerd. It's just, it's one of those things that is such a, it's such a good idea that it becomes a bad idea over time, you know? 
because that because then no writer wants to be the writer who like goes on JLA and doesn't get to do the annual event. You know, it's it, but but so. I mean that annual event hasn't happened since the crisis. Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, it hasn't happened annually, but I mean Meltzer did it. You That's know. true. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I, I mean, don't know. He only I, I, did like ten issues, and like five of them are you know his annual event arc or something like that. You know, I'm I'm always impressed that Morrison stayed away from it. I don't know. But he did. Don't know how he did. Morrison's did, at a JLHSA storyline. Did he? Yeah. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Ugh. <laughs> Inescapable. Inescapable. But I see. So. I I I don't see that as a negative. I see that as positive. Especially from Morrison's run, which Mm. was a remix of the the series past. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't know. It's tough for me because I really do. It's one of the things that I love about the book. I just also feel that it ends up being one of those things that after a period of time turns around and kind of breaks the book. Why do you hate fun? I know, I do. I'm a fun hater. I really am. It's. I think that might be on my list of like names people should call me. I think fun hater is like <laughs> top five. five list of things. <laughs> Dude, my list get pretty silly. So okay, uh, I've, yes. I've only got two more, and only one of them is silly. The other one is just, just fanboyish. Okay, the fanboyish is good. Believe me, these are pretty fanboy and silly too. Yeah. Okay, give me another one then. Oh, I have to yep, give you one? Yep. Well, I thought we'd go through yours. All right, okay, okay. I'm pretty sure I've done three and you've only done two, so. Oh, that's true. You're right. Okay, so top five characters I'd like to have be analogs and fight Superman um, in, <laughs> in the vein of Captain Strong or Vartox or the Elite. So I, I, it's like it's one of those things I love. And looking at just doing a little bit of research, I didn't realize how many of those are like Carrie Bates creations, actually, two, two of those five. Harry, Harry you Bates know? wrote Superman for a long time. He needs to come up with a lot of material, my friend. Right, exactly. Well, I, I'm just I, – I mean I have to admit that I'm always fascinated by superhero analogs anyway, but I'm, I really am super fascinated with the way they pop up and how they're used in, uh, in Superman. So, um, so my five characters – I would like to have uh, um, Reed Fleming, World's Toughest Smoke Man, uh, be an analog <laughs> and fight Superman. You know, um, I would like to have Scott, a Scott Pilgrim character, uh, be an analog and fight Superman, and then maybe they can team up and fight something else. Awesome. Um, uh, Tezuka's uh, Astro Boy. I'd like. To, I think it's kind of a shame that he. There's, as far as I know, there's never been any sort of analog to pop up in Superman since you know Superman and, and Disney. I think were such big inspirations. Actually, maybe it's more Disney. No, anyway, um, Omar from The Wire. I would very much <laughs> like to have. Oh my God! I would love that. Wouldn't that be the best? I think that that would just be like the awesomest. If you know, again, in just that very. Carrie Batesy, Kurt Swanish kind of way to have like Superman face down with like a guy in a trench coat with a shotgun. But it's got to be a kryptonite powered shotgun. I was going to say exactly. It's going to have to be kryptonite shells or something like that, so that he's able to you know keep him off his guard, and you know they both learn lessons from each other about how the world works. You know, and the cover, the cover of the comic is Superman Mm -hmm. lying on the ground with Mm -hmm. Omar with his foot on his chest. Saying yeah. ain't no thing, ain't no thing. Yeah, and then the the thing underneath because he can't be called Omar would be like Remar coming or something like that. You know, it'd just be like oh my the best. God, that's the ain't greatest no thing. thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. The issue would be called, like, The Game is the Game. And it would just be, like... That would be, like, the best issue of Superman ever. And then, finally, out of my 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 uh, five characters I'd like to be analogs and fight Superman, Nemesis the Warlock, I think, would wow. be kind of... Yeah. I think that would be awesome. I kept wanting to go for, like, Judge Dredd, because I thought it would be, like, a fun... Like, like Dredd really does need some sort of weirdo DC analog, and also it always struck me that, that Dredd, in some ways, would be a more interesting character to team up with Superman, since... They're both. They both have truth and justice concepts, but of course, they veer off in such dramatically different ways. I yeah, suppose. Yeah. You know, as opposed to just the "I am big chinned and invulnerable" uh, way that they use with Batman. Uh, and then I had a bonus five. The top, you know, five other analogs in other books: uh, Gogo Thirteen versus Batman, uh, Death Note characters in X Men. Um, Mr. A, the Creeper, and Shade the Changing Man in Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> analogs of Sergeant Frog and crew uh, fighting the Justice League. And then a tie would either be Chester Brown and Payne for it in Voodoo, the comic book, or Alan Moore and Grant Morrison as the disciples of Dora and the Vishanti in Doctor Strange. Oh my god! <laughs> what? <laughs> Comic industry, please give Jeff Lester a comic, please. Yeah, l- just let, just let, me... let him see what's happening. <laughs> crank out! I can crank out amazing der- derivative analogs until your eyes bleed, and I that, think that's that, what the that would be great. Needs. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what the new Fifty Two needs. I think so too. I think so too. Like more analogs, man. Seriously. Anyway, so yes, that's my list. Your, your mention of Judge Dredd reminds me. Uh, Douglas mm-hmm. Moke gave me a pile of old 2000 ADs this week. Ooh. I uh, just because I saw him in New Year, and he was like, "Have you been reading 2000 AD lately?" And I was like, "I haven't actually read 2000 AD in the longest time, like in decades. Mm-hmm. I haven't read 2000 AD for a really long time." Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Oh, I've, I've got some doubles." Mm-hmm. I'll give you them. Mm-hmm. And in th- some of them, there is Zombo, which is written by our listener, Al Ewing. Hmm. Jeff Lester, you have to read Zombo. <laughs> Not only is it just absolutely blindingly spectacular, but this is, this is the dialogue that closes the most recent series of Zombo. And it is spoken by the mind of the deceased president of the of humanity which has been uploaded into a computer but something has gone wrong and so he speaks like Jack Kirby characters as in quotation marks <laughs> I think you understand why this is perfect right yeah the, the series ends with this our deep space probes deep space is in invert is in commas uh, quotation marks have detected a prime motion in cosmic territory that answers the death question to positive effect zombo must live again live to fight against a universal moby dick on collision course with mankind and deadly revenge look sharp look up Look out, Hank Epsilon is back, and this time it's world versus world. That's how the series ends, okay? This is how perfect it is. The following four words are in quotation marks Deep Space, Prime Motion, Death Question, Moby Dick, <laughs> Collision Course. It is, I, I was, no joke, I was shitting myself laughing with every single episode of Zombo. It, it really brilliant. was, yeah. Douglas Walk, without realizing it, gave me the gift of genius. 
Don't worry, 2008, all of this, the issues actually were really strong. But Zombo was... Zombo was... Al Ewing is the greatest writer in comics material. <laughs> Something I just, that sounds fantastic. So really interesting. I'd, I'd read um, his Jennifer Blood, his first Jennifer mm-hmm. Blood issue. And I hadn't liked Jennifer Blood when Ennis was doing it. I actually liked mm-hmm. it when Al Ewing took over. Huh. And I think he's only scripting or Venice plots. But there's something about it that I was like, I'm not finding this as horrifically objectionable as I previously did. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Hmm. So I, I'm, I'm now at the point where I'm like, I really have to hunt down everything this man has done because I'm, I go from, I mean, Zombo is just, Zombo listeners, apart from Al, who will know this because he wrote it, Zombo listeners is, wait what, the comic. <laughs> There is a panel flashback to why a character has a prosthetic arm, and it's pretty uh-huh. much what you and I would do in that situation. Because the panel flashback is the nurse, the, a doctor shouting at the nurse in the operating room because she loves someone else. And she has, she has a thought balloon where she's like, I wish the doctor blah 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 could understand this, but I'm trapped in the operating room of despair or something like that. It's just spectacular. Let's see if I can find this. It's not this one. Oh, there's also Voltron um, called Pl- Planetronics. And they go, Planetronics, I form the wing. Planetronics, I form the other wing. Planetronics, I form the rest. And then, Planetronics, I form a mechanical lion due to budgetary restraints. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where is... Okay, I'm trying to find... Flashback panel, which is just so spectacular. Okay, this is this is what she says. The nurse is saying, I, I, I can't give you an answer now, Nurse Trevor. Please just hand me the forceps. And Trevor, who is, by the way, uh, naked, apart from underwear, in the operating room, and surgical gloves, just to make it perfect, says, never, not until you tell me who you really love, me or Brad from Laser Division. And her goblin goes, if only I could tell him the truth, but it's too late. I'm trapped. On the planet of broken hearts. <laughs> I have to say, I like the operating room of despair as well. You should definitely hang on to that. Oh, too. but seriously, Zombo is so spectacularly good. But wow. in so many places, I'm like, this this man is, it's, it's almost as if he's like, how can I turn Wait What into a comic? <laughs> Yes, yes, I'm sure that's the thought that haunts him every day. I really, really hope he has higher aims than that. <laughs> so much that ties into... I mean, he's got a character speaking Kirby dialogue. Uh, yeah, which is just brilliant. Just brilliant. I will have to check that out. I remember seeing him tweet something about Zombo, but I do not remember... The, so, there is the first collection, collection. The collection of the first series is out in America. Okay, maybe that's so what it might have been that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was a while back, but hmm, I will look for that. That sounds awesome. Here is a statement from the President of Humanity telling everyone that it's okay that he's been killed. Yes. Fear, the signal emotion of change from old certainties to new truths, the birth cry of a dangerous new existence. To face the proto-cosmic awareness that lurks and preys at the edge of the possible, we must become the change or embrace fearful extinction. Fear... Birth cry, protocosmic awareness, and become are all in quotation marks. 
Ah, that is really lovely. That is uh, that is good, good stuff. Actually, and I I like that one because it somehow did a great job of like, wow, it does seem to hit that sweet spot of Kirby dialogue and political speechifying. Like yeah, really, no. like you can you can hear it. That's really brilliant. So yeah, Zombo's great. I'm sorry, I interrupt our podcast just to tell everyone that this week I finally caught up with Zombo, and it is just mind-bendingly great. <laughs> and also really made me wish that OMAC hadn't been cancelled, but instead been given to Al Ewing. Oh man, that would be that would be great. That would be great. I would love to actually check out his other stuff too, because of course um, other people have said tremendously good things about his... Uh, his Christmas story, the sort of choose your own adventure Judge Dredd Christmas story or whatever that was recent. I'm, I'm, he's done a lot of Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the Zombos. Yeah, there has apparently been three Zombos. No, that must be wrong because there's the Zombo series I read was not is, is not part of this thing. <laughs> oh, there's okay. There's three of the stories in the collection that just came out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So yes, he's he's great. Sounds. Fabu. Uh, unfortunately, because uh, because I've got about another forty minutes before the hard stop, I think I should I should press you for your next list, my friend. Okay, my top five omnipotent cosmic characters. Ooh, excellent. Number one, the Watcher. Mm-hmm. Number two, the Guardians of the Universe. Mm-hmm. Number three, the Celestials. Yes. Number four, Mister Mixelpitlick. Nice. And number five, Galactus. Yeah, that's a good list. Also, that is th- three of them are created by Jack Kirby. <laughs> I know, right? It's uh, kind of it's interesting. In fact, I'm glad you got Mister Mister Mixelpitlick in there because um, I would not have thought of him. Um, but yeah, he's way better than like I don't know the Living Tribunal. Or, that's you know. oh my god, you are in my brain. The Living Tribunal was on the list for a while. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> Get out of my brain today, man. Stop doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a, that is a great list. It's so funny because, of course, you mentioned the Grandmaster, and I was like, wait, are, is he going to show up? I can't imagine him being on this list just because that is a pretty – I mean, that's a top-notch list. I wouldn't argue with anyone on there at all. So it's pretty funny. So you're saying you thought about the Grandmaster on this list or no, is there I, another I, list no, to come? he could have fit on that list. He, he mm-hmm. was never on because I'm not the biggest fan of the Grandmaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. What, what, what's the group that he's a member of? The the Elders of the Universe. The Elders of the Universe, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, exactly. That's a comic I want to see. The Elders of the Universe crossing over with uh, the – God, what are they called? From Sandman. Oh, the, the Endless? Endless. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the, the Elders are... One of the things that I like about the Elders is it was such a... Somebody, like, noticed all the kind of cosmic-powered big tall guys and figured out a way to tie most of them together. Um, which kind of works, but kind of is also, to me, a, like, a little exasperating because I'm sort of like... I, You know, I, I, I like the Grandmaster. It doesn't necessarily mean that I'm crazy about the Collector or the Stranger, and yet you pretty much... If one of them pops up, you, chances are better than 50-50. The other ones are all going to pop up. God, I don't know who the rest are. The Gardener. Uh, God, Champion. I'm just going to remember. Champion. Right, Champion, which, you know, that's fine. Um, I guess there's got to be 
five because there's five five of the soul gems or whatever. Oh no, wait. Wait, are they, are they collected to the soul gems? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in Thanos Quest, what happens is uh, Thanos goes and realizes that the source of their powers are various are, are the various gems that they have, and he pretty much finagles them out of everybody. According to the internet, there are far more than five. Are there? There is architect, astronomer, caregiver. There is apparently a character in the Marvel Universe called Caregiver. No. Champion, collector, contemplator, ego, explorer, gardener, grandmaster, judicator, obliterator, possessor, runner, and trader. Okay, I'm almost willing to bet that a lot of those were added post- Thanos Quest slash Infinity Gauntlet because I seem to recall Runner sounds familiar, Champion like I said, Care Gardner. came around in 92 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's see, Obliterator Obliterator sounds particularly recent, yeah for sure uh, um, but it did not say where he first appeared hmm. oh yeah, uh, Silver Surfer vol- uh, Volume 3 Issue 6, he's an Engelhard creator Creation. Ah, probably, right? Was that, so that, was that, that yeah? Volume three, issue six would be um, eighty-seven, maybe. Hmm. Definitely before the Thanos quest. Um, yeah, it looks like a lot of them came about in Engelhart's. Right. Yeah, it would. It would be the sort of thing that Engelhart would tie together, I guess. Certainly. And then, like I said, there's you know, I do remember Thanos Quest. Was Thanos Quest was that really early '90s or something? Yeah, that was um, Jim after after Jim Starlin took over Silver mm-hmm. from Engelhart. from Engelhart. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, which you know, I'm actually looking forward to catching up on those issues considering I've got them, you know, tucked away on, a, you know, one of those GIT core DVDs. I'm always like, I should just clear the decks and, like, read Silver Surfer until my brain tries to stab me, which... To be fair, that's not going to take long with Silver Surfer. I was about to say, if I started those Stanley John Basuma issues, it might be issue four. Like, I, I love Basuma's art on that, but, like... I uh, Stanley on the Silver Surfer. Has it al- it always brings out the worst in him, doesn't it? It always. It always time. makes him think that he has something to say, and yeah. part of the greatness of Stanley is that he doesn't. Yeah, is that he he's willing to mess with you, and then maybe like trip something else in there. He's he's even like those comedians that can really can make a really telling point about things as long as they're not trying to be intentionally do it. But yeah, once he like goes for that deliberate. Ugh, it's so painful. So, so, so very painful. Um, yeah, that's a great list. Do I have a... I don't really have a list that matches that. So, uh, so I'm going to move on to mine. That was your fourth? Yes. yes. Oh, shit, I really should have done another one so that we didn't have to, you know, that it's not just me dominating this end of the listicles. <laughs> uh, five public domain works. I'd like to see cartoonists whose work I haven't seen in a while rework. Just because I like having the word work in there as that, much as that's, possible. That's a good one, though. Thank you. Uh, Jay Stevens on Alice in Wonderland. Um, David Boswell from Reed Fleming on Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Bill Sienkiewicz uh, doing Frankenstein. Uh, Dave Sim doing The Divine Comedy, which I, I know that's kind of a cheat. So my alternate is Mike Plug doing The Island of Dr. Moreau. Wow. Um, yeah, and then not a cartoonist, but Christopher Priest doing Huckleberry Finn. Christopher Priest, the comic writer, or Christopher Priest, yes. the terrible novelist? No, 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 comic book writer writing, doing it some sort of take on Huckleberry Finn, I which think could be great. 
yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, no, all of those I kind of thought had potential. Um, so, and then my bonus bonus are five dead guys whose work I would have liked to have seen <laughs> reworking a public domain work. Okay, so, and they are Frank Frazetta on Beowulf, um, Dan DiCarlo on Pride and Prejudice, uh, Carl Barks on Treasure Island, uh, Kirby on Kafka's The Castle. Um, but it's not really public domain until 2022, so alternately, I'd be perfectly fine seeing a version of Moby Dick by Kirby as well. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then, again, not a cartoonist, but Steve Gerber on the Old Testament. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, admittedly, it's my, kind of hard. My brain is totally full of uh, Kirby doing Moby Dick. Yeah, wouldn't that be really Just, just imagine the double-page spread when the whale appears. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. It's that, and also the, all the looks of everyone's faces, you know. And he was always so good at drawing, like terror, terror, and also, you know, just mugs. You know what I mean? Like yeah. those guys with like the rugged, ruined faces, you know, just all on the boat, kind of looking like the pirate crew from Fantastic Four number four, you know. But and but just him digging into it, just him doing like some of Ahab's speeches, like Kirby doing some of those, that would just be like awesome. And contrarily, he also does a great job. Like I always loved his when I was when I read Kafka's The Castle, which I read relatively embarrassingly recently, like I don't know five or six years ago, uh, for the first time. I couldn't like everything all of the, his descriptions of it were always weirdly kirbyized for me it's like it's like kafka's the castle more or less took place in doctor doom's latveria in the back of my head like all my imagery i realized was all being supplied cuz kirby really did have that weird old world european vibe thing yeah know? he really did yeah mm-hmm. that's so, a great list uh, yeah thank you I, I, like I said, I completely agree with all of those. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> are, are we continuing to speed through because we have a hard stop? Uh, we do, but the great thing is, I only have one more list, and it's five lists I wish I'd made, but I didn't have the time. Oh my god, that's spectacular! <laughs> so I, I had to do a list of lists. So yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, and I figure we could discuss those if necessary or not. Uh, Five favorite nicknames, Spider-Man's given his enemies. That would be one that I would actually love to sit down and do the research yeah, that, for. That, that would be great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my five favorite existing analog characters, since I'm a big fan. Um, five favorite sound effects, you know. Um, I think that would, again, well worth doing the research for. Uh, five comic book creators Dave Sim would spoof if he was still doing service in its spoofing phase. <laughs> And five writers about comics I'd rather see writing comics, and five comic book writers I'd rather read writing about comics. Oh, come on. You've got to at least hint at that one. Oh, well, that one, actually, I will give you at least one or two of those. But, uh, yeah, actually, there was a thing, and I think I found it thanks to your link on blog at Newsarama, where Ellis talking about how to write a comic script... Yeah, I was like, I am. I really am not especially interested in reading Warren Ellis's comic books, but I really enjoy reading him talk about, about comics. Yes, exactly. Yeah, me too. I I find the Wall uh, Wallace's as it's called um, Ellis's <laughs> best writing is writing mm-hmm. about comics. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's one of those. I think Fraction's another one where I've enjoyed his talking about comic books, and especially the farther away he gets from talking about his own comics and just sort of talking about other people's comics and stuff. Uh, I've actually enjoyed a lot, um, and would like to see more of. Uh, and then, I, I don't know, after that, it was kind of that thing of, like, maybe Graham could help me come up with, like, two or three other people, you know, for that one. Bendis. Bendis. Really? Interesting. Yeah, I'd love to see Bendis actually seriously get into writing about comics. I think he wants to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here's here's a question, as Graham is so fond of saying these days. Have you, have you ever thought about taking his class? You're up there. Uh, I have, but... Two things stop me from doing that. Mm-hmm. One, the idea that Bendis would recognize my name. Mm-hmm. And two, the fact that I don't really want to write comics. Mm. Right. Well, that would definitely put the put the put the kibosh on it. But I'm sure you'd get to hear him talk about comics. And well, no, exactly. Comics. And that would be why I'd want to do it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, hmm. Yeah, he Bendis would be an interesting pick, I think. Um, I actually have always enjoyed. Uh, he didn't do that many of them. In fact, he repassed it off as quickly as possible. Uh, the the interviews, people. Uh, no, actually, there was the interviews. I was actually jumping to say uh, Brubaker's essays at the end of Criminal. Like he wrote that an essay about uh, Out of the Past that I thought was fantastic. And I think I'd really kind of like to see... I'd like to see him write about uh, comics at length. I'd like to, I yeah, I'd like to see him write about the comics he is interested in writing about, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm, exactly. Like, I'd, lo- I'd love to see him write about Archie comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, write about Archie comics, or I'd like to see him write about Steve Englehart comics, you know? Um, as somebody who is clearly an Englehart fan, um, I... I I would be curious to see what he could say about what he learned from them or what inspired him or what he thought made them tick, I think, you Mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. Uh, You know, I think it'd be interesting hearing him write about the difference between writing genre and writing genre in superheroes, you know, just a handful of things that I think would be great. That being said, I, I, I would still prefer to read his comics, so maybe that's not entirely entirely fair I've enjoyed I have to admit I don't keep up with it very much at all but I enjoyed reading Rucka's essays about writing comics for his webcomic far more than I enjoyed reading the webcomic interesting I was going to say like I've really enjoyed that but I wouldn't want to give up Rucka's fiction for his nonfiction, if that makes sense mm, interesting right 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 yeah I can see that Let's see. I mean, it really is. It's one of those weird, like, who, like, somebody on the cusp where it's like, again, somebody whose work drives me up a wall, but whenever they talk about the medium, I find them, find, find them, they have a lot to say. I'm, I'm curious, however. Mm -hmm. Who are the people who write about comics that you want to write comics? Oh, uh, right. That's a good question. Um, I, uh, Abhay, um, Sean Witzke. Uh, are two of them 
actually, because I, I actually really enjoy, I actually, those are guys that I actually enjoy their, their writing about comics, but it's to the point where I'm like, come on, come on, come on, let's, let's see what you can do. I think you can do awesome stuff. Let's see what, let's see it. Um, that's, again, it was pretty much like two. It's like two of each and two of each. So to fill that out with another three. Um, I'm going to say David Brothers. Yeah, actually. Uh, David Brothers would be a good pick. I'd be really curious to see what a Tim Callahan comic book uh, would read like. Um, uh, let me see here. I'm trying. I'm. I'm like. There's got to be somebody whose like work I did not like much. There was actually a brief period where you saw. Oh, I'd like to. You know. Yeah. I think. I think I would like. No. I don't know. Wait, wait. Come on. You've got to say the name. Also, I just before like we get completely sidetracked. You were the head of that list for me. Oh well. Thank you. I. I. I appreciate that. I. Uh, I would. I would like to do that. <laughs> I would like to do more of that. God knows. Um, and I, I can want, figure out a way. I want you to have a webcomic. Any any artists out there who can draw Jeff scripts, even though Jeff probably doesn't have a script and I'm throwing this out there entirely <laughs> randomly, please get in touch. Uh, because yeah, Jeff Lester should have a, a webcomic, and you I would know, love to read it. The webcomic is such an interesting format, isn't it? Because it's sort of... I, I have to say, I need to keep... Work. I will tell you this, and this was something I was absolutely going to keep uh, on the QT. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're about to say it on a podcast. Of course, yeah. It is um, somebody mentioned the fact that... Somebody posted the link to 2000 AD's uh, writing gu- guidelines, uh-huh. you know? And they do accept pitches from writers, you know, for their super uh, short. Yes, sir. See, so I would actually like to try and pitch some 2000 AD stories, but I'd have to get like a stronger grip on what, you know, what they're. What, I, I have a, a gist of what they're like based on reading old Alan Moore collections, so I don't think that that's necessarily the viable model, but, um, but I would like to do something like that, you know. Um, I would, because God, like having just written that that ten page story that I did that was originally supposed to be eight pages, writing short is hard, and writing for web comics, I think I really feel like the people who do a better job at web comics are people who have sort of a stronger sense of training in like daily comic continuity. You know what I mean? Like newspaper strips. Mm-hmm. You know, and as much as much as I adore newspaper strips, I don't know if I really have the the I think you've got to have like a really impressive sense of rhythm for that and I like I like the more digressive stuff I would if I could gladly come up with my you know sort of walking dead idea I would you know I would totally like figure out a way to self-publish a book that I you know would would throw all you know all my retirement money away on uh and in the hopes that it would eventually catch on around issue 30 or something like that you know um just because that's always the stuff that I like is, the, is you know, those those issues like in between the stories and stuff like that that really don't seem to work until you've got a dozen under your belt. I, I am hilariously like sitting here going, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. <laughs> well, I might. You turned around and did cranked out a pretty good theme song. So I'm all like, well, I, cr- yeah, I cranked out a pretty good theme song. Thanks, Garage Band and your loops. <laughs> 
like every single time I see you write, you're like, great, wrote the song. I'm like, well, I kind of did, but it's all made up of loops from Garage Band. So, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but that's eh. fine. That's still an assembly of things. You know it's what I mean? Definitely an assembly of things. And, and, I, I, thought, I, and I, I was shitting myself before sending it to you. I was like, if Jeff hates this, I don't know how I'm going to take this. I don't know if I'll be like, that's okay, or if I'll be like, but I spent at least half an hour on this, Jeff. What? <laughs> Well, I loved it. I loved it because I thought it showed a really strong sense of what goes where in a piece of music. And I, I was like, that's pretty awesome. You know, <laughs> believe me, as someone who's farted around with a garage band on an iPad, I'm always like, OK, here comes 45 minutes of cowbell because I can't really seem to get all the rest of the loops to line up correctly. So, so. Someone else, someone said in the comments, um, Savage Critics, that the, the one thing I was missing was singing. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I was so close to just sampling you going, hello, and welcome to Wait What. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> so the, close. The very first time I mixed it into the podcast, I was like, I was like listening to it and I recorded the intro and all this stuff. And it's like, it gets right around to the point where the cowbell starts in and suddenly you're going, hola. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He sampled himself for it. And I just realized I had the other audio channel on. <laughs> Talking. The other thing Damn is, if, if, if I could sing, uh, there would probably yeah. be some sort of vocal in there. And what I really wanted was horns, but I couldn't find the right horns. In my oh. mind, there's horns in that song. That, in the that is really funny. Yeah, I actually was. After hearing it, I'm like, ah. Yeah, I mean, it has everything but, but it's totally works it totally works like i fully expect uh, paul willard to come over and start sleeping on your couch or something because that's, that, that's i'm looking forward to that because then i can tell him things like cut your hair you're 52 years old or whatever <laughs> just, seriously just fucking make an effort man <laughs> i have one last list because i because yeah, oh, i'm also keeping my eye on the the the, the mm-hmm. hard stop yes Top five things I would steal from the Fortress of Solitude. Awesome list. Oh, my God. Okay, go. Number one, the giant diary that a mind-controlled laser writes with. That would be pretty great. And do you know why? Not because it's a giant diary with a laser. Because you just think what you have to write, and it does it for you. You don't have to think See, anything out. that's what I was thinking. You, would, I'm like that. If ever there was like, it makes total sense to me that Mr. Freelance Writer is like that's the number one pick. No, exactly. Like, number two, <laughs> the Phantom Zone projector. Mm. How great would it be if someone pissed you off? Just to be like, zap. Sorry, everyone. You're in the Phantom Zone. I'll let you out if you stop being a douche. Number three. An army of unstoppable Superman robots. Yeah. Because, yeah. come on, that would be great. Number four, the bottle city of Kandor. Yeah. It's like a terrarium, but super terrarium. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm all about that. And number five, the alien zoo. Nice. It'd be hard to steal a zoo. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you had an alien zoo, I mean, imagine how much money you could make. And I'm not even talking about selling it science. Just inviting people in. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I tell you, your money-making schemes are like, hmm, I really, I really want to write the story now where Uncle Scrooge, like, raids the Fortress of Solitude uh, and uses it to make himself even richer in Duckburg than he had been previously. There, th- that is the world's greatest Superman Donald Duck crossover that has never happened, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. 
<laughs> That's a great list, Graham. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm trying to think. Although I'm, I'm like, huh? You know, it's it's kind of a shame. Like Superman. I always like Superman's awesome Kryptonite collection, but they, of course, they never really work on anyone but Superman. So it's kind of it's like colorful rocks. Come on. Yeah, but colorful rocks aren't as interesting as colorful rocks that do weird shit to you. Oh you no! See, I mean? that would that would be terrifying. Like, if, if you had red kryptonite and you're like, this could be awesome, or my head might turn into an ant. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like, let's face it, there there's some kryptonites none of us would ever touch, but there's a certain subculture that'd be hidden red kryptonite. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, this is totally showing, like, our different uh, ideas about just say no, isn't it? Where you're like, it totally is. Awesome. I'm like, you could turn into an ant, Jeff. <laughs> Yeah, but only for 24 hours. I tell you, I'm all, or is it 48? I don't remember, but I'm I'm all over that, believe me. Yeah, I'm definitely in my experimental phase where you would have to, like, I would have to go into Red K rehab. Like Exactly. Just, I, we'd be like, it's time to cut down on the Red K, Jeff. I'd be like, no, no, no. At some point, if you just kept doing it, you would eventually become the Jeff who doesn't want Red K, and then you'd get rid of it. So then when that wore off, you wouldn't, like, you'd, you'd have forced yourself to go cold turkey cold turkey on it and then I wouldn't be able to find it but until that time happened I would have like the ability to like shoot flowers out of my eyes you know like there's so much awesome stuff I would like split into twins who are somehow like I don't know in love with each other I don't know it, it's all good it's all good I like, love that get... your two examples of it being all good are splitting into twins who are in love with each other and shooting flowers out your eyes. <laughs> I'm a native Californian, Graham. I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> yeah, listeners, admittedly, I can... Yes. I, I was going to say, listeners, I have no idea what you thought of this episode of <laughs> Wait, What the Hell's Going On in Your Psyche. <laughs> But I feel that, if nothing else, we've learned a lot about Jeff Lester this episode. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps too much, as always. I think we always learn too much about Jeff Lester. <laughs> um, before we go, we should definitely give a shout-out to, because I didn't last week when we talked, I had read Prophet 21 and thought it was awesome. And I'm sure everyone who's got a connection to uh, the comics Twitter net has heard this until they're they're ready to stop hearing about it. But, you know, I, I'm, of- I'm going to blow your mind then. I thought it was good, but it actually let me down. Really? I, well, I, I could sort of imagine because the hype is high. But yeah, uh, the hype really? is so the hype is so high that mm-hmm. I, part of my problem is I am I find myself distanced from that type, type of comic normally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoyed it. But I have to admit, I I thought I'd enjoy it more. Interesting, interesting. You know, I dug it in no small part because. It also reminded me of the first six issues of Kirby's uh, Commandy that are yes, available yes. digitally for and 99 I, cents. I think that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah. I definitely yeah. got a Commandy uh, feeling from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just totally the element of Stranger in a Strange Land type hijinks with, like, crazy mind-blowing stuff. Um, admittedly, that crazy mind-blowing stuff is is, is updated. Um you know, given that sort of bio-organic sheen that seems very popular in uh, in kids' sci-fi these days, but um, yeah, but no, I loved it because it really did. Like, there was some new weird thing that kind of quasi broke my brain uh, every other page, and yet at the same time, I can also see where it's so pared down. 
excuse me, I could see where if I wasn't on board with it, uh, there's not a lot of, um, there's, there's you know, not a lot of there, there. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of there, there. I mean, it, it, that's it, the thing. If you don't buy into the style of it, mm-hmm. there's not enough substance to convince yeah. you. Yeah, exactly. And it's I, very I, much a style comic. Yeah. I think that that's what ultimately makes me feel a bit cold about it. Because I'd seen the preview pages, I was like, this looks amazing, the style is amazing. And then I read the comedy, and I'm like, the style is amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Uh, but, you know, but I'm okay with that, because, again, I kind of feel like a lot of stuff that I look at, um, I've been looking to comics for these days, has a lot of stuff, you know, after years and years and decades of sort of being frustrated at at there not being enough substance, I guess, you know, I sort of learned to enjoy the crazier, wackier stuff where there's a, a lot of, I don't know, just sort of style and fun. I thought, I thought profit was very fun. My hope is as it goes on, there will be a way for me to actually emotionally connect with the character and what's happening. But, um, but I, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give it, believe me, I, I'm willing to give it, you know, as many issues as it wants. Oh, I, I'm, point. I'm going to keep going, but, I I'm probably not going to give it as many issues as you are. Yes, yeah, I I, I can I can see myself giving it three issues and then jumping off if if there's not something for me to emotionally connect with. Right. Yeah. 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 I I do think that it will need something like that. Uh, prefer preferably soon. I think uh, you know I think if Graham was smart, he would give us that hook uh, at the end. You know, in issue two or at the end of issue two or something. So. Yeah, I, I guess what I worry about is th- there is no hook. Yeah, that's also I, what I'm I, I'm, about. I'm genuinely worried that the hook is, hey, mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, I was going to say Rolling Stone, I meant heavy metal. Uh, <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're really, like, I, I'm I, I'm honestly feeling nervous about that after finishing first issue. Yeah. Because I want no, to I can the see. first issue. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I definitely see that. Uh, it, it is a concern. Um, and we will see. We will see. Because it's not as if... Um, but part of me is, is like, even though it's being done in a very different style, I felt like uh, Graham's King City has so much heart. Yeah, no, exactly. There, there, there is an emotional core to King City, and really quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super quickly. Uh, there totally isn't in profit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but that, but that's okay. I think I would have been a little more wary if Graham had been just doing a much more like this. This this book didn't altogether feel like the Graham of King City, and I like that. And if he can bring in enough of the trace elements, admittedly, I would like some of that at the beginning. You know, I really do tend to respond strongly to you know, a slightly stronger plot hook or a slightly stronger, you know, a way to plug into the character that I just, I'm not having here. But, Mm -hmm. but, you know, as long, as long as he's having like sex with absolutely insane penis vagina aliens, um, you know, in order to, to progress to the next stage of his mission, I'm completely, and, you know, engaging in potentially accidental cannibalism, I'm perfectly okay with it. Perfectly okay with it. Still think it's a mighty fine book. Um, so, Leviathan Strikes. Did you? <laughs> no, I still haven't read it. Okay, all right. I'm just it's... saying. <laughs> you do know that there's a digital. It's on digital for five bucks. 
I don't, and I actually might buy it in digital for five bucks then, because it's, it's, I can't see myself getting to another comic store anytime soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like, when that came out, I was like, oh, five bucks, that's actually a pretty decent deal for that, and for digital. And again, Kirby Commandy, 99 cents an issue. I, If we had more time, I would spend a lot of time talking about my various minor arguments on, on Twitter about that, and just why I think that it's... I, I was fascinated by that argument. Oh yeah, yeah. The, 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 pri- the pricing one. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah, that I, was. I, I was kind of just like, that's. I don't know. It's it's so I can't get my head around it. Do you know what I mean? I can't get my head around the fact that you should automatically stay to the price that's on the cover for digital. Oh yeah, that's you know what I mean. It's it's like, like no, <laughs> like that was, this book came out thirty like thirty odd years ago, forty years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that I had so much trouble with that. And I mean, I do know because I, as somebody who's like turned around and, and you know, like because I really wanted them, I've paid, um, you know, $1.99 for like issues of like Captain America comics from the 40s, you know, and and it was hard. I was like, yeah, this is this, the, you know, I know about the, the idea of like sort of, yeah, there's a price point where you bulk at, you know, I was I was really exasperated exasperated. I don't know why I have so much trouble with that word these days. When they, you know, Marvel was like, "Oh, sure, absolutely. Amazing Fantasy 15. Just get it now, $1.99." I'm like, "What? It's 12 pages." Like, you know, but but for me, I was like, "Dude, it doesn't it's not going to get better than 20 plus pages of Kirby for 99 cents." And again, you know, for me, the idea of like, you know, this is precisely everything that would work uh, you know everything that everyone makes noises like they want in a digital marketplace is like yeah, you've got I know. a book here that's like ugh, you know anyway like i said we don't have time for it which is a shame it'd be it, it i'm glad to hear that yeah i was worried that you'd be like yeah i was kind of it's like i couldn't wrap my head around any of the arguments you were making jeff i was like oh okay here it comes because i really did have that feeling afterwards of like is it just me am i crazy you know so no i i I, i'm i'm on your side for that one but i didn't see you make any other arguments about commandy so maybe i maybe i do disagree with all your other ones next week (laughs) let's discuss it next week absolutely fabulous Okay. Well, uh, anything else you any any other good ground you want to cover before we before we jump? Uh, let's see. No, not really. I I I mean, I could talk about other things I read, but I we don't have do it. You don't have the time. No. Very very quickly, what I'll say is this: Memorial issue two, I thought was really really great and much stronger than the first issue. And oh good. It kind of makes me sad that I feel that not enough people are paying attention to it. I, I thought the second issue Memorial was really really good. So anyone who bought the first one and was on the fence, pick up the second. And if you don't like it after that, fine. Yeah, go back for the second one. Okay, yeah. that's good to know because I was I was kind of uh, you you were not, on the fence, yeah. Yeah, I was totally on the fence. So yeah, okay, that's that's actually a good good heads up. And then next week, you know, we should do we should do comic talk. We should. Uh, someone asked in one of our threads if we were going to do a, a question Q and A. I've actually been thinking that for a while that we should be doing yeah. Q&A because it's been a long time. Well, I, the, usually because I end up on the floor weeping by the time it comes time to to edit it, and it's like okay, hour five, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is a short one because of my 
flooded basement. So yeah, your flooded basement and my absurd deadline. So which, which you, yes. by the way, is no yes, absurd deadlines. Um, listeners, thank you very much for putting up with us. I'm sorry, my flooded basement and Jeff's absurd deadline meant that it was so short. Hopefully, you learned something uh, about yourself from our list. <laughs> from our list this week in the comments. Leave a top, a top five list to your own. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, please do. That would be great. We will uh, we will shout out to uh, our favorite other ones. Uh, yeah, uh, go to savagecritic.com, hunt up the, the podcast entry for this, provided you're listening to us on iTunes, and, and give us a list. We, we, we would love to hear a, a top five of any kind from you. Making clapping noises. Why? Delighted five year old. I don't know. I don't know. It's like a weird too many James Bond movies. I... Like, yay, Liz! <laughs> <laughs> Bye, listeners! Goodbye, listeners. <laughs> Lists. Okay, so, um, please we have it. Please tell me you could leave it. Lists at the end of that. <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't, but I, I will, please. <laughs> Thank you.